Welcome to the Prim and Prosper podcast. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. Uh, so Marinella, part three of our self-series, we did self-time, self-discovery, and for me, what is probably the hardest one is our topic today, self-acceptance. Oh, any opening thoughts? That's probably the hardest part for me, too, because... Uh... There are parts of myself that I certainly don't want to accept or parts of myself that I can't see sometimes to even get to the conclusion of acceptance. Mm, Yeah. So we started the previous two episodes with a definition. Um, I think most people know the term self-acceptance and it's more widely used. I was, though, in preparing for this episode, thinking about the difference between self, self-esteem and self-acceptance, because um, I see those terms being related to each other in a lot of ways. And so I actually was just Googling the difference to see what the internet told me. Um, and one of the differences, which I, I think, yeah, is, is probably where I see the difference, is self-esteem is more about value um so like how do you value yourself do you feel that you're worthwhile where self-acceptance is more um like a global term of just accepting yourself for who you are not to say right that you can't improve and that you can't identify things that you want to change and and work toward changing those things because i think of course you can do that but it's more broadly not just about how you value yourself but more yeah, as you mentioned earlier, accepting the parts of you that maybe you don't love, um, but you recognize that that's part of who you are as a human. Would you say that self-acceptance and self-awareness are the same thing? Because I know that term gets used a lot, and I'm just kind of thinking, like, if you have self-awareness, that doesn't necessarily mean self-acceptance, because... You can know all these things about yourself and still completely try to shove them out of the way. Yeah, exactly. I I do see a difference between those words. I do think in order to have true self-acceptance, you need to have some level of self-awareness. I think you have to have some insight into who you are. Um, But to your point, I think you can be aware of yourself, be aware of perhaps all the great qualities you have as well as maybe shortcomings or flaws or weaknesses, um, but not necessarily be good at accepting those, which I think is, you know, for me, that's at least an area I struggle with is I've got the awareness, like I said, of those shortcomings, but I have difficulty accepting them. Uh, And it's something I'm actively working on, and I know we're going to delve more into specifics throughout the episode, Um, but that's like the biggest area I struggle with. Yeah, I would say for me too, like I I have a lot of self-awareness, but it's hard for me to go from that to acceptance because a lot of times I feel like the awareness is like my excuse as to why I am the way that I am rather than being like, this is how I am, and that's okay. That's kind of like where I'm stuck a lot of times, where I'm like, I'm sensitive, and that's just how I am, but not in a, I'm not like embracing it sometimes. Interesting. So part of what I had planned to talk about was, you know, like how you handle those moments where you find yourself with a shortcoming, whether it's like a weakness or if you see yourself as a failure in a certain area or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, how, how do you manage it? It's almost like your brain can work against you. Like in the moments where you're trying to use kinder language with yourself and show some forgiveness, it's like... Um, oh, why are you forgiving yourself for that? You should just be better at that thing. Um, You're coming up with an excuse and and telling yourself it's part of self-forgiveness, but really you should just change X, Y, Z or be better about X, Y, Z. And then you're back to beating yourself up. So I don't know. I I see a little bit of that cycle with myself where I try to forgive myself for something and then I tell myself that I'm just, that that something is not worth 
forgiveness and I should really change that part about me. And then I'm back to right beating myself up and not accepting myself. It's a weird, vicious cycle I find myself in sometimes. Ooh, so it sounds familiar. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank and I, goodness. I think also a big part of that is like the self part of acceptance. Like, so a lot of times I'll accept something about myself and I'm very willing to say it out loud but the moment somebody challenges me on that i'm kind of like is that who i am or you know is that undesirable should i maybe change how i view myself if like i'm accepting these things about myself and somebody's put off that kind of goes back to my my codependent issues where i feel like am i accepting something that's unacceptable about myself and I think that's the key word is like the self thing um, where you're okay with yourself. doesn't necessarily mean everybody else is going to be okay with that, but you're good with it. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, as I was, you know, kind of looking into the difference between self-esteem and self-acceptance and going down a bit of the internet rabbit hole on this topic, one of the things I noticed in some of the research into self-acceptance is that it's rooted in early stages of life. And when we're very young, we get cues from especially our parents, but it can be also, you know, teachers or other caregivers or, you know, other important figures in our life that we're kind of taking in cues from them. So when they praise us, when they, you know, criticize us or give us, you know, uh, some sort of negative feedback, and of course, it's all in how do they present that feedback? Is it a way of like trying to coach you and, you know, help you improve upon yourself? Or is it a very highly critical and judgmental way? Of course, is there any sort of, you know, like abusive behaviors or neglect and all of that jazz? Um, so it's interesting to me that kind of the environment you grew up with and how you were treated you know, again, by your parents, teachers, other caregiver figures um, can play a big role into your self-acceptance. So then, of course, I started reflecting on, you know, my upbringing. And <laughs> one thing that I realized, I, so my mother was a very accepting person, very warm. She was never highly critical of me, was always proud. Um you know, I received a fair amount of praise, not to say I didn't have rules and limitations. Like, of course, she was a parent and I, there were rules and, and that sort of thing. But like I wasn't neglected or abused by her in any way. So I had a very fortunate upbringing in that regard. It makes me think had I had a parent who was much harder on me how much more I might struggle with this concept of self-acceptance because I already struggle with it and I feel like I started out ahead of where many other people start out with as far as parental figures and the role they played in my life. So I don't know if you have any thoughts that you're comfortable sharing, even if it's not about your family, but just this concept in general of you know how our parents might influence our self-acceptance. For myself as a child I would say that I was told a lot by my mother like I love and accept you just the way you are but I never felt it to be true I always felt like I was praised more for like you know just doing things in the way that my mother preferred or you know I would share things that really excited me and I wouldn't get mat match with the same kind of excitement and with my father, you know, anything you did really wasn't enough, even though like he would tell you were proud of he was proud of you for doing something. He kind of would always follow it up with like a, a suggestion of maybe it will get you to this point instead. Like, mm -hmm. good job, but like you should really be here or you should really be doing this or I would have done it this way. So. For me, there was a lot of criticism. I think they tried to be accepting, but they couldn't turn off that part of like what they envisioned for me, like what was the ideal 
version of Marinella as, you know, whatever age I was at the time where I was just so completely off the mark of what either of them expected, I think, that they just couldn't really get, they couldn't really relate to me very much. So they tried, but it just didn't like line up with any of what they envisioned. Yeah, you know, I I think when you get you know, praise or positive feedback, but it's always followed with a but, this or that. Um, I have to imagine, well, yeah, like I would dread almost getting any sort of positive reinforcement because I know it. a caveat follows it. And that's not, doesn't sound like a particularly good feeling. Um, my father... Because I know I mentioned a bit about my mother, but didn't maybe mention too much about my father. He, I don't think, fully understood how to give positive reinforcement. Also, though, he wasn't abusive toward me in any way. Or um, so my, <laughs> there's, I'm trying to think of stories to kind of encapsulate. I, you know. I, my father was raised predominantly by his father and then his grandparents because um, his mother was very ill and so she just wasn't she was hospitalized a lot and not not physically home raising them so I don't think his dad really f- understood kind of the role of being you know they I think he had an arrangement essentially with his wife that he would work he he worked a very busy tough job and then I think the thought was, Sorry about that ambulance again. It's you know an episode doesn't go by that at least one ambulance. I promised I lived <laughs> on a busy street of Chicago, and I I feel like I'm coming through on that promise to our listeners. Sorry about that. Uh, so <laughs> you know I I think the thought was that my grandmother would you know be home raising the children, but because she was ill a lot and in hospitalized, that meant that that kind of fell on my father or my grandfather who was also working. So I don't think he really knew how to kind of step in and be a parental figure. And so I think in turn, when my father became a father, he also didn't necessarily have the skills or the know-how. So while I didn't suffer any abuses or neglect, I don't think he also knew you know, how to be present, how to take an interest in the things I had an interest in. Most of the things we do together are things he has an interest in. And I have learned to love a couple of those things, which is great because then we share that in common, but they really started from him, not from me. I was going to share a story just about my dad and parenting. I'm sure I, if he heard this story, he would laugh about it. But when I was a toddler, my parents owned a convenience store and we lived above the convenience store. So I wasn't in daycare. It was usually just one parent was working at the convenience store. The other parent was watching me and right. They would take turns either being at the convenience store or watching me. So one of the times it was my dad's responsibility to watch me. He had put me in my room for some quiet time and quiet play. And apparently I was very quiet. So my mom comes home and she's like, well, when was the last time you checked on her? Like that's strange that a toddler would be so quiet for hours on end. That's usually not a very good sign. Um, Thankfully I was okay, obviously. But what I had done was I had taken probably over a hundred diapers that my parents had stored in my bedroom. And one by one, I'd open the diapers and I had the jar of Vaseline open and I was just smearing Vaseline on the diaper and then rolling it into a ball. So <laughs> I went through and destroyed roughly 100 diapers, which were, you know, expensive AF. Um, so that was my mom's like, you have to check on her when she is quiet. Like, this is not how you parent. From my dad, it was like a neutral, a neutral parental response, I guess. That was a a roundabout way of getting to my point. Um, That's how I would describe his parenting style and influence on me. Sounds like he was like checking that box of like, I put her in this safe space and I know she's safe in here and she's safe. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was totally it. Like, he knew I was physically safe, but, you know, it just didn't dawn on him. You still probably should periodically, like, check in on your child. You know, this was right back before they had baby monitors. Right? This was the 80s. Oh, game changer. Game, game changer. changer. Now you have the parents who hang on the living room and they got their baby monitor watching their kid. But this was this is pre-baby monitor. You had to physically walk to the room and check on your kid. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I mean, for, for my family, I know that both my parents received probably very little praise themselves. You know, my mom lost her dad when she was young. She had a mom who was uh, bipolar. And my parent, my, my father's parents, um, very old school farmer Italian people who are just like, they didn't ask you about anything. And I think that a lot of like, the traits that were passed on or were passed on to me came from my dad's side where we don't, I'm not very comfortable like giving praise to people and compliments. Like I have to really think hard about it. And so it's like, no wonder I can't really do it with myself too much, but it's, it's something I have to like constantly work on. So hearing you say that, a light bulb went off in my head. Um, my mother was extreme, extremely great at giving compliments to others. She's just like a natural at it. Um, I think she was very well liked by most people. She would describe herself as a people pleaser. But she was critical of herself and could not extend any of that compassion and empathy toward herself and so now I'm realizing perhaps the reason I struggle a bit with self-acceptance is not necessarily because my mother didn't accept me because I think she did but inadvertently I think she probably modeled that behavior by not accepting herself so part of me probably just thought like oh you accept others and you know show them and extend them grace but you can be and you should be hypercritical to yourself yeah it's kind of it's what you were used to seeing and hearing and it's just it just happens naturally i think that that would go that way yeah so this may seem like an obvious answer or that there is an obvious answer to the question i'm about to ask you Uh, But I still want to ask it just to see, do you have any difficulty accepting things about you that you see as positives? That's where I have the most difficulty. Like, I feel like I totally am like, I'm not that, I'm not good at that. Or I'm not like, I don't know what people see. Or I can't live up to that expectation that people have of me to be that. And... It's it's really hard for me to like find those things about myself so much that I've had to like put them on paper and like read them at times and I still like have trouble believing it like or if somebody tells me that I've like really helped them out or something like that I have trouble believing it like I often feel like I don't bring much to the table for myself and I don't know why that is, but it's always been something where I'm like not giving myself very much credit for the positives because they have to exist. People won't tell you those things just because they feel like telling you. Not everybody's a people pleaser like I would be. So, oh, my gosh, I like want to reach through my screen and hug you right now because um, I think you have so many amazing qualities and it's heartbreaking I don't for believe me. that <laughs> I know it's heartbreaking for me to hear you don't believe that um, is there an example you can think like a specific example of you know whether it's a, a quality or you know something about you that others have given you positive feedback on but you struggle to accept um yes I think like my photography like I was gonna say that I was like you're a wonderful photographer yeah like I really just will compare a lot like I'm I'm pleased with the photos and then I compare like to see what other people's photos look like and and I know realistically like 
that person's camera is probably $70,000 or they're using a drone to get to an impossible shot. But it's like, I do that where I'm like, I could be better, you know, like this isn't that impressive, like, or people are think this is great because it's me, you know, but that, that should be something where I feel if somebody wants to give me a compliment about my photography because they care about me, that should be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, this is fascinating because I don't know that I quite struggle with this in the same way that you do. So, but I hear what you're saying about the comparison game. So I think as humans, we tend to, so photography is, I think, a good example of this because it's like a skill. And obviously you can continue to improve upon that. So the more you do photography, you know, and more that you learn about it, the better equipment you have and can buy, I'm sure your skill set continues to improve. So I'm sure like even just like within your own photography journey, if you go back to when you started compared to now, I'm, you know, you could compare that you've you've improved a ton. But what I was going to say is I think that that's an interesting trait about humans when we go to compare our skills to others. We always look for people who are farther along in the journey than we are. And then all we can see is how far short of them we are. But it's like you're still way ahead of so many other people and that absolutely puts you into the category of being great at photography and you are I have one other friend who also does photography and the two of you honestly the stuff you produce is amazing to me um I like barely I I only recently learned on an iPhone that if you like click on it and hold down it will focus your camera on that part oh i mean like this is this is where i'm talking about (laughs) that i'm starting at um so if we're playing a comparison game right i'm obviously (laughs) far short of where you are in that skill set yeah and and my comparisons are i i only realize it later how unfair it is to like i shouldn't compare my photo of you know um the local park trail to somebody who's in you know the colorado mountains right that has also told equal or has openly shared that they've retouched it and they showed you the before and after so i have the knowledge that they did not just take the picture and it turned out that way whereas like i don't practice any of that any of that like extreme editing where you can drastically change a photo and I'm not in Colorado, but you know, those are just things where I, I'm choosing to just very much just be like, no, that's that's not true. Wow, wow, this is so interesting because that I have to assume I'm not the only one that's given you feedback about photography. It sounds like you've gotten it from other mul- like multiple sources. You've received this feedback. Yeah, I have received tons of feedback from like friends girlfriends but funny enough the person that got me most interested in photography was my dad hmm. Oops. did my camera just go black it did you're back now though oh. hey. okay he got me interested in photography and he never really takes artistic photos he kind of takes photos as like a documenting type of deal so I don't think he really like himself like believes in his ability to be creative with the fo- with the photography and receive praise for it because he has like crazy expensive camera equipment and it's like he he uses it as if it is an iPhone instead and he kind of he he doesn't use it to showcase like his art and I I think maybe I, I've sent him photos like where I thought they were really good and he's proud of them. And that's like where I feel like maybe I do kind of believe it because it's coming from him and he's not quick to give a compliment. Hmm. So that's one of the few circumstances where like if my dad does give me a compliment on a photo that I've, I've taken, then I kind of feel like, okay, this feels real. 
maybe I am better because I know it's something he always strived strive for to be better at photography, but he just didn't kind of practice. Hmm. Interesting. So for me, when I received positive feedback, I genuinely, well, I, I'm just trying to think if there's any, any example of me not believing others um, or not accepting it, even though others give me that feedback. And I, nothing comes to mind. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I've never struggled with the same thing, but um, I'm not, nothing is coming to mind right now. For the most part, if I receive some sort of positive feedback from others, I feel confident in that area. And that is something I can accept when I get a lack of feedback you know, or it's just something that no one ever mentions. And I also have some self-awareness that that might be an area I'm weaker in or that's just not my strength, you know. Um, That is where my critical brain can just pick me apart, like beat the pulp out of me. Um, I don't know why I have... It's funny, too, because I don't believe that you can be good at everything and that there's any perfect way of being human. So I believe that logically, yet I just can really beat myself up on shortcomings, especially when I'm aware that I have a shortcoming and I never get feedback on it. So I know that others see it as a shortcoming in me, but it's like, they're not faulting me for it. They see so many other great qualities. You just, you know what I mean? It's all self-talk. It's all in my head that, that I feel the need to be critical of myself for those areas. Have you gotten like feedback from somebody about a negative quality that about, like has someone said something directly like, you know, you're this and you've been like accepting of it or do you fight them on that? On that? I don't usually fight them on it because I find the times that I have received feedback. So I've, I've been told I'm a people pleaser. This is, this is the example that's coming to mind, but I know that there's others. I like there, there's part of me that's, that knows it's true. Um, I might not really engage them in too deep of a conversation about it because I might be embarrassed or, you know, ashamed, what, what have you. Um, but I do accept the thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're right. Yep, they're on point. I'm not going to talk to them anymore about it because uh, that's embarrassing. But <laughs> they're absolutely right. So that's kind of how I handle those moments, typically. Yeah, I probably accept those like those feedback negative feedback qualities or whatever that people share with me too readily too like um and I tend to um those are the ones that I really believe Hmm. where you know you know you're you're lazy you don't try hard and and I actually welcome a lot of people that are open to tell you that like Mm -hmm. the harsher people of the world I tend to welcome those type of people that are super open and super harsh about any shortcomings I have. And I don't know why I do that. I feel like maybe it's a kind of like a, like you said, beating myself up, but letting somebody else do it and like kind of validating, oh, see, that's what I think about myself. This is what they see. Then I must be that thing. And there's just, that's just who I am. Yeah. And that's the part of self-acceptance that I want to fight. I like. I don't want to accept that that's an unchangeable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you mentioned the word validation, and I could not have been shaking my head in agreement harder. It is. So I think that that's how I am. If people give me positive feedback on something that I also see as one of my strengths, I feel validated in that, and I do believe them. But the flip side of that coin for me is if I have, you know, a weakness or a shortcoming or whatever, I see that um, or have that awareness and then I get that feedback from somebody, I also see that as validation. And then I just, I don't know what it is. I, there's some, 
I don't know. I don't even know what the phrase would be, but there is some part of me that feels natural beating myself up and being critical. I don't want that to feel natural. Like I want self-acceptance to be the natural feeling. Like I want to be able to hear a criticism and acknowledge that it's true, you know, be aware and maybe even be working toward improving on said thing, but not be critical of myself and instead just accept myself. And I, I haven't quite figured out how to do that at all. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Would love to know. <laughs> Would love to know. I've tried. So one of the things that I have been trying to do the past couple of years, I, and I do, I do think it has helped, um, is when I'm feeling like I notice an emotion where I'm feeling down about myself or something or I'm beating myself up. Usually this has to do around something that I perceive myself failing at or not doing good at. Um, I try to isolate like what exactly I'm telling myself in my head. And then I try to imagine if this was someone that I loved, a good friend or a family member and, and the roles were reversed you know, what would I say to them? Because I know it would not be nearly as critical as what I'm telling myself. So I, I try to constantly use that. What would I tell a friend if the roles were reversed? Language. Um, I haven't found a way to stop my initial response, but I am better at kind of challenging those thoughts and at least yeah, I guess at least challenging them, not letting them stand. Um, so I think that's a little bit of progress that I've made is recognizing and challenging, even if I still don't quite believe the, the ways in which I'm trying to challenge them, at least I'm not just taking them at face value anymore. That's a good tip because there's plenty of things that I would never say to people I care about. I mean, I might say things that are critical and negative to people I don't care about, but that's different. So, And I find, I don't know about you, but the people, you know, a lot of people I know have that ability to be, or that ability, that natural instinct to be very critical of themselves. So it's like, if I know they're already critical about something I don't want to pile on I want them to be like whoa 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 like you're no your reaction is to the extreme like that is completely unnecessary again it goes back to I can show others compassion and empathy that I haven't quite figured out how to extend to myself so that's one way I'm trying to trick my mind into doing it is what would I say to Marinella if you know if she was feeling this way and then I try to say those things to myself. Yeah, I think maybe my method of trying to like that negative self-talk is similar, but a little bit different. Like if I say something about myself that I perceive as negative, I try to reevaluate like, is it really a negative thing? Or am I just like choosing to see that in the worst possible way? Like, like I'm a sensitive person. Like I just am. I would in the past see that like as like a, like sensitive like easily bothered or emotional or whatever but now I try to see it more of I'm sensitive because I have good intuition you know I can kind of feel things but more deeply than other people which that means the good things as well so this isn't really something to beat myself up this isn't really something negative at all about myself and it kind of turns the acceptance into a positive acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I do. I think a lot of this is challenging ourselves. It's so natural to go to criticism. And so it's trying to challenge that in any way possible, like whatever works for you. But you can't just take your initial reaction as you know, the end all be all, you have to be like, no, this, <laughs> we can do better. We can do better. Um, so in this journey of figuring out self-acceptance, another area I struggle with, and I'm curious if you also do, is guilt, letting go of guilt. 
I, for things that I feel guilty about 10, 15 years ago, I will still beat myself up over. And what I do sometimes, so if I, if I do something in present day that makes me feel guilty, then I start rehashing everything I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, and remember that time you were in fourth grade? Yeah, you should still feel guilty about that thing too. Like how many years do I have to um, like serve penance for all of these things? It's, it's ridiculous, but that's exactly what I do. I trudge up every past, every past incident and then make myself feel guilty about that incident and then move on to the next incident and refeel the guilt of that incident as well. Yeah, I've, I've been known to feel guilt myself. And, and oftentimes I feel guilt over things that I shouldn't feel guilty about at all. Yeah. Um, I've just convinced myself that I deserve to feel guilty because maybe it made somebody else feel bad but that had nothing to do with me but i will still go down that like path of like had i just done this instead then wouldn't have to deal with like that gross emotion that came from it or i would have to be dealing with this side of this person or i wouldn't feel um you know alienated or something mm-hmm. where i'm i'm often wishing i could go back in time and redo something that it would be easier to live with present day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I will reimagine the scenario. So, one of my one of my favorite favorite one of my favorite things to beat myself up over that I did when I was gosh, I don't know, 7, 8 years old. I mean, I was a kid. I was young. And um, we had terrazzo floor, which you might know what that is because you live in Florida. Oh, but yeah. for anyone who doesn't live in Florida, it's like it's like a marble floor. So it's like a hard floor that's in a lot of Florida homes. Um, and I had rollerblades and the, the neighborhood sidewalks were really crappy. They were all uneven. So it was hard to learn to rollerblade on them. So it was rolling, rollerblading around in the house. But it was scuffing up the terrazzo floor. My mom was pissed. Like, she didn't want me rollerblading in the house, right? So she's like, no, you can't do that. And I throw a temper tantrum, you know, because I'm not a toddler, but kids still sometimes throw temper tantrums. It probably, you know, I might have been tired or hungry or just whatever. You know, I, I was a kid and I reacted emotionally and so over the top. I mean, I could have been been going for the best actress award I was on the hands and knees slamming my fist on the ground (laughs) like I can vividly relive this and I'm like following my mom around the house begging her to let me to roller skate like I mean it's all coming back like the guilt the guilt and shame is, is entering my body as I speak about this memory so it was so over the top my mom had to send me to my grandma's house for the night and like let my grandmother deal with me (laughs) um but anywho when I do something in present day and I feel bad about it this is one that I often like relive and beat myself up over even though I was a kid and I'll sometimes tell myself like you were such a bad daughter over this one roll or uh roller skating incident <laughs> it's like I mean as I say this aloud it's so ridiculous I know it is I boy I have never let that guilt go you probably would have killed it in the roller derby on that <laughs> note like taking that rage and those blades and those smooth floors yeah definitely oh my but, gosh I mean, what can you do besides, I mean, the realistic thing that I always try to tell myself is like, uh, I did that because that's what I knew how to do. Or, you know, that's how I reacted because I didn't have a better way to react. Or in hindsight, all of that seems, and even if it's something present day where like, you know, 30 minutes later or the next day, I'm like, I could have handled that better. There's still some guilt there, but I think that's kind of 
sometimes it's a, it's a good thing to feel a little bit of guilt because you're like, okay, like there's there's still somebody in there that cares how they're affecting somebody or, you know, that is trying to be their best person. Yeah, I was about to say, I think in some, in smaller doses, I think to your point, yeah, it can help motivate you to change something. Um, and right, it does show your humanity that you do care about others and how you impact them. But the level of guilt and the way in which I'm taking it, like that was, so I'm 37, assuming I was about seven when that incident happened, 30 years I have beat myself up over a roller skating meltdown. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's that's... just, it's fascinating to me how I can take guilt to an extreme um, and just struggle with letting it go. So any, any tips you have? Again, I, I like putting you on the spot with these. Ooh, any tips to, to I mean... I can only assume that throughout the years or something you mentioned that maybe to your mom or is this something that you never thought to talk to her about and now that she's passed it's like kind of like a I wish I could have apologized for being such a brat. So yeah, I think you're on to something there. I I do think I apologized about that. I act, I, I don't have a distinct memory of apologizing, but I, I think I did. Uh, the real I, I think realistically once I like calmed down and you know had a better understanding that that was not an appropriate response Uh, I had felt bad and and apologized I think though where you're on to it is because my mom passed away when I was younger I feel bad that I wasn't a perfect child or something for the time that she was here which there is no perfect child like part of being a kid is pushing boundaries and learning to regulate your emotions and learning to, you know, handle disappointments in a healthy way, right? Like that's all part of growing up. And I think was just part of the growing up process for me. Like that roller skating incident was obviously part of a learning process. And and so I don't know. I think it's like I have difficulty accepting that that's just part of being a normal child and learning those things. And instead... I'm like, why wasn't I a perfect child for my mother? I mean, it, you know, I had these ridiculous expectations for myself in certain areas, and I think that that's just one of them. Yeah, I mean, there's no perfect child. Certainly, even if you were the perfect child, trust me, at some point you were going to be the unperfect adult. They're going to be like, well, she was such a perfect kid, <laughs> and now... She's a disaster. What happened to our perfect kid? You know, that's just how it is. Yeah. But for me, like my, I guess my defense of like against feeling that guilt is if I can apologize, even if it's like ridiculously after the fact, if it's still something that's eating at me, or sometimes I apologize immediately, like as soon as it comes flying out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it sounds ingenuine, but it's like as soon as I can quickly realize something like that where I'm like, I feel bad about that, then I'm kind of quick to be like, that was fucked up. Yeah. I am pretty, and it does alleviate some of it. I am pretty good about apologizing for things. In fact, I actually think my struggle is more apologizing for things I shouldn't apologize for. Like I'm an over-apologizer. Certainly one thing to make amends for things that you've done that hurt others or what what have you but i'm one to also apologize when i have nothing to apologize for uh so i i need to learn to rein that one in a bit uh that's another area i'm focusing on yeah where i feel real guilt is if i've felt guilty about something before i've apologized and then i handle it the exact same way that i felt guilty about before then i'm like then i'm like wow that what is my problem and i do that quite a bit where i'm like what why am i this way why can't i just learn and handle the thing the way i realized i should have handled it and just remember to do it that way next time. But I guess it's a repetition thing. Like you can't like 
form that new habit until you just keep on just drilling it home, I guess. Oh my gosh, that is, you are preaching to the choir on this one. I definitely feel magnified guilt when it's, yeah, exactly. Something that I've done the first time, I recognize it's a behavior or pattern I want to change. And then at some other point I repeat it, it's, whew magnified there uh yeah i i think you're right though that when you're talking about changing whether it's a personality trait that you've identified that you're trying to work on or if it's just a behavior pattern whatever especially if it's something that you've been doing most of your life i mean i'm 37 years old i can't expect to change something on a dime there's a lot of habit forming in 37 years and undoing that habit forming and forming a new habit it doesn't happen overnight um and so it circles back to this concept of i think self-compassion for me like i need to be willing to extend myself a little bit of grace and understand that these things don't change over then you know overnight uh that is grace i would extend to people i love and care about and i would go that extra mile to be like, okay, like, yeah, I, I see how you feel like you ended up in the same pattern again, you know, but I think actually it was slightly different. Here's ways I think you improved upon it, you know, some progress I think you made or, you know, I, I would not only not be that critical, I would want to try to, um, you know, help them to recognize or see the situation um, for, for how it truly is. Um, but yeah, with myself, nope, just double down on that guilt. Oh, gosh. What, what would you say is like the biggest, like if you had to hold up like a poster of like something, it was like, I accept, this is like my biggest self-acceptance self-expe- challenge, like to accept about myself. What would it be? Hmm. Great question. Um, I think. I think accepting that I will have failures, but that does not make me a failure. So again, recurring theme through all these episodes from the first one we started with, I am a perfectionist and I have these ridiculous standards for myself. And if I don't meet them, I have difficulty accepting, you know, falling short. Um, And I see that as equating to me being a failure so I think if I can make my like sign and the marathon cheering for myself, it would be, you know, just because you have failures does not make you a failure, right? Like there's a difference between I am a failure and I have failures. We all have failures. We all have moments that are not our greatest, but that does not make us less than or like less valuable or less whatever. Yeah, because then, I mean, that'd be a lot of competition on who's going to be the biggest failure because it just keeps, that's a lot. Right. I don't even, you know, realistically. Nobody keeps track of that. (laughs) No. And honestly, like when we're talking about the scope of 7 billion people, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not like running number one. There are some, (laughs) I mean, I hate to be like anyone's a failure, but there are some people with a lot of failures. And, you know, interestingly enough, Some of the most successful people will tell you like they had to learn to fail a lot in order to find their success. So they had to get like comfortable with the concept of failing and accepting that as part of the process. And I also think about this anytime I watch my friends who have kids who are learning to walk and right. How many times does a kid fall over, fall down, bump their knees, bump their head, right? They don't just know how to walk. It's, weeks if not months of practicing the skill in order to to be able to successfully walk if they just fell down one time and saw themselves as a failure you know they would never succeed um so yeah that would be my that would be what i put on a sign the biggest piece of advice i have for myself um so how about you on that question um for me i would say like current day like the hardest thing for me to self with self accept acceptance is that i'm like i'm pretty angry and bitter lately 
And it's important for me to do some self-acceptance because like it does affect so much of my life that I need to be able to recognize this about myself and figure out how to change it. Because a lot of times people will point something out like, oh man, it seems like you're, you know, used to be happier or something or, you know, less, less negative and it's hard to admit that like, oh man, you're right. And I think that if I don't, if I didn't accept it or, you know, at least hear people out on what they're hearing and seeing from me more, then I'm just going to continue this. So it's like, I'm, I'm like embracing it. I'm like, okay, why am I so angry? Where, where, where can I work on this? Why am I so bitter? And a lot of it's explainable. Like I've just been through a lot of more painful events and that's where I have to be more forgiving with myself but also recognize that okay this can't remain like this is the self-acceptance part of accepting that I can also change Hmm. yeah absolutely it's a tough journey and I, I think we I said this at the top of the episode of our three part series on self self time I'm pretty good with I think I've, I've got that in a good place, self-discovery, you know, I'm on, I'm on the road with that. Self-acceptance, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm at mile one of the marathon, um, but, you know, you got to start, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to start somewhere. And, um, you know, we, we talked about this last time, progress doesn't always have this straight, perfect line. Sometimes it zigs and zags, it has valleys and, that's what a journey looks like. That's just the reality. Yeah. And I mean, you could have self-acceptance of something right now. And then like a year from now, you can be like, I can't even believe that's that was a part of myself. So at least it, it can change as you go as to what's what you identify with, what is a part of you. Yeah, I agree. Well, mm-hmm. I think we covered most of where we are in this moment with self-acceptance maybe this is something we follow up on you know a year from now and and see what's changed what's improved uh any new lessons we've learned along the way but for today uh i think we'll call it a, a day and catch you all next time yes i enjoy the three-part series of all of this and then hopefully we have something different for our next episode sounds good take care Bye-bye.